Hey, this is John Bellin from Gene the Werewolf, and you're listening to The Dave and Steve Show. Previously on The Dave and Steve Show. You know, go, you know, go F yourself in a whatever. It's just like. I think, yeah, apologizing for length has sort of been in our DNA. <laughs> because I can't help but be a dick. Yeah. Super excited to hear what the smartest per- person on earth um <laughs> person on earth says about the podcast even though he very matter-of-factly explained that it's not the same thing not the same thing i don't know why i said it like that oh david you can't just be bringing those those naughty pictures out and showing we have people from church over and they weren't just corn chips they were like the blue you know when they do the thing where they mix the blue the red and the yellow into one bowl you've got different colors oh, of corn are, chips those are delicious yeah yeah so she was she was ev- effectively vomiting like some country's flag by the time all that stuff came back up again it's happened less now that uh, it isn't it isn't common it happened early on i think when we were uh homeless okay um not homeless but home Fewer moments out of the day. <laughs> so that we could get some cornholing going in the in the backyard there. Absolutely. Uh, of course I'm going to eat a personal pan pizza yeah. that was dipped in flash frozen butterscotch. <laughs> hey, who out there likes to party? Who out there likes snorting cocaine? Who likes a strong <laughs> cup of coffee? <laughs> they don't want to rock and roll all night and party every day. They want to occasionally rock and roll at least until 10. And then right. sleep in the following day. Show number 72 of the Dave and Steve Show. I am Dave, sitting right alongside me, a mere 27 miles away, is Steve. Greetings and salutations. And from parts unknown, the lovely and buxom Tracy. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Off and running on show number 72, we're going to get right to the meat and potatoes of tonight's show, which is our interview with Mr. Heber Pampelon of the band. Oh my gosh, it's a great interview. We stepped on the. Candy in the lobby. I, I, I believe it's a great interview. You want to listen to yeah, it. Yeah, now, now you've ruined it. Spoiler alert, everybody. It's a great interview. Uh, he is of the band Kickin' Valentina. If you don't know who Kickin' Valentina is, you're about to know who they are because we've got song snippets layered throughout this interview. Uh, before we get rolling with the interview, uh, Tracy, Steve, anything from you in regards to Mr. Heber Pampelon? That is a great guy. Uh, pay attention to a little of the fruity language that happens, but uh, it's actually quite—it's uh, actually quite a great interview with this guy. Yeah, that's Steve's yeah, way of saying he says he, the f word a lot. He does. Yeah, he, he definitely sounds like he's from uh, uh, the north end of Atlanta. Cool dude, sure. though. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, with, absolutely. Without further ado, our interview with Mr. Heber Pamplon of Kickin' Valentina. Formed in 2013, Kickin' Valentina has played shows around the world with rock bands such as Queensryche, Buck Cherry, Skid Row, and more. Their no-nonsense and hook-filled brand of rock has landed them spots at the massive Bang Your Head Festival in Germany and the sold-out Monsters of Rock cruise. Their latest album, The Revenge of Rock, is out now, and tonight we are joined by their founding member and guitarist. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a big Dave and Steve Show welcome to Mr. Heber Pampelon. Yeah. I'm hard. That interview. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I seem to have that effect on guys. I don't know how that works. but uh, Thanks for joining us, Heber. We, we appreciate you joining. I want to say, to start things off, so I, I know you and I just met. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a child of the 80s. I am a yeah. massive fan of, I think you and I probably, just knowing the music that you create... I'm a massive fan of of probably some of the same bands as you. Tracy and yep. I, you know, we grew up on Wasp and Kiss and Motley and all those bands. Steve is a big fan of ACDC. Steve's Steve's also he he won't ever admit this, I don't think, or maybe he will. Huge fan of YNT. Like we oh, love yeah. that's I love YNT. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah. our wheelhouse. And 
DAD. I mean, I, I have, I have some, uh, I have some of my favorites. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Fantastic so, bands, all of them. And we played with a lot of those bands. Right. So we'll get to that. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking around on the, the internet not too long ago and I come across sweat the single yes. and, and it absolutely, it's one of those songs where you hear it the first time. And if you're a fan of those bands that I mentioned, you're instantly right. all in on kicking yeah. Valentina. That is an amazing track. So that rolls around. I hear that. I'm a fan of the band. I start looking around. And I don't know anything about your band from Adam. I've, I've found you for the first time. So right. you've got this album coming out called Revenge of Rock at the time. Right. And so I start digging into that. And I find your single, Somebody New. This is Somebody New is one of my favorite songs of the last 15 years easily. Wow. The hooks wow. in that song, the songwriting there. So I, I want to get to that. But what I want to ask you about first is tell me about the genesis of Kickin' Valentina. How did it get started? Who formed it? What sort of lead me through the origin mm -hmm. story of the band. All right. Um, Jimmy and I, Jimmy, the drummer and I, we formed the band, um, you know, back, you know, I guess we started talking about it in 2012. Um, I used to own a, a pet store, an old natural holistic pet store. And he used to come in there and, um, and buy food for his dogs. And we started talking one day and I, you know, at that point my head was shaved, believe it or not. I had like a crew cut. Um, and we started talking and, you know, we started talking about music and then he started, he asked me, you know, when I saw him all the time and he asked me, he goes, did you play in some bands? And I started naming some bands. He goes, no shit. He goes, I know that band. I know that band. <laughs> and he's like, I would like to, um you know, to start doing something. He goes, I play drums. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, everybody plays drums, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was one of those. At that point, I was fed up with music. I didn't want to have nothing to do with music, you know. Um, but, you know, it got me thinking. I said, well, you know, if we're going to do stuff, you know, let's do it. I don't want to be just a regular band from the area. Let's go back and start doing stuff. And let's not try to, you know, we discussed this. Let's not try to be what everybody's doing. You know, let's play what we like to play. If people like it, great. And if they don't, we, we really don't give a fuck. Right. It was pretty much how the whole unapologetic rock and roll thing came about. We don't give a fuck. Um, so it just, you know, we, DK, as a matter of fact, was the first singer, our singer now, um, was the first singer that we reached out to. Uh, and it didn't work out because he lives in California. So, you know, we additioned some people and, you know, we came up with that first lineup and um, and it just took off from there. You know, all of a sudden we started putting stuff out and people started liking it and showing up to shows. And there was then there was more people and bigger venues and more people. And that's how it just it started rolling. You know, we didn't have any expectations and it just uh, it just went from there. And, I you know, I'm, I'm looking through. So now I'm. Now I've officially gone down the kicking Valentina rabbit hole on YouTube. I'm watching video after video <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm seeing your band. You know, I mentioned the bang your head festival in Germany. Uh -huh. For those of you who don't, who are listening and don't know that festival, that is a massive festival. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Yes. And, yeah, and awesome. you are, mm -hmm. you, you have found yourself in what is, I mean, for the most part, a, a pretty short amount of time, Playing mm -hmm. some, playing with some huge name bands, playing some big festivals, and mm -hmm. to go back to what we were talking about a, a minute ago, it all comes back to the songwriting, right? Like the the songs have to be there because you guys, you have the look, you have the attitude, that's great. But if the songs aren't there, it doesn't work. And so tell me, walk me through a little bit the process of how does how does Kick and Valentina write a song? Do they primarily come from you? Is it a band thing? Sort of walk it's me through how that works. Everything's a band thing. Everything we do, we do together. Um, you know, we make all the decisions together. We, you know, um, right now you have, we have, there's four guys in this band that have the same goal. And um, I think that's the, the main thing in a band. I think it's the chemistry. You know, you could have incredible players. They're fantastic and they don't have chemistry. Well, then the songwriter is not, the songwriting is not going to show that. And then you, they're live shows. And us, we're just a, you know, a bunch of knuckleheads. And um, I think we play okay. Uh, we're not the greatest musicians in the world, but I mean, we put on a freaking show, man. We're a live band. And when you come to see us, you're going to leave out and go, holy shit, what the fuck was that? And you know what? And some of the other bands that we play with, 
end up leaving and going, holy shit, what the fuck was that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've been, well, I I've love... been in those other bands. I've been in those other bands. Wow, <laughs> those guys were good. Yeah, <laughs> I love going to. I love going to a show and finding a band like that, where I'm so impressed with uh, with how they are just a machine together, just a well oiled machine together. You can tell the rhythm section. You know the the right foot of the drummer is married to the right hand of the bass player, and it's. And and, they, and they're in love. Is usually the right hand married to the the, the cock of the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole it's, different thing. The it's, it's, yeah, it's a totally totally we can go on that. the whole chemistry thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, um, and I see you guys. The chemistry comes through as well on stage. If you do yourself a favor, if you're listening to this right now, go go check out Kick and Valentine on YouTube and look for some of their live performances. Because one of the things you can always tell chemistry wise from a band is when they're when every band member is moving on stage. And I mean, you guys are you're pretty energetic on stage. And mm-hmm. yet to go back to that chemistry thing, I, I don't see maybe it happens and it's just not on the YouTubes, but I don't see a lot of bumping into each other. I don't you guys are a machine up there. You know how to work not only musically with one another, but physically mm-hmm. and in that in that space together to put on that show. Yeah, I mean, it's um I mean, it's nothing that's choreographed. I mean, we just, you know, balls out when we're on there and it's just, it's just, a, you know, I guess stage awareness and we know where everybody is and what everybody's doing and it's just natural chemistry that, it, you know, Hey, if I'm going to go to this section, you go to that section, you know, it's just, it's just natural. It's not a, you know, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of the videos that you see that people post, I mean, if there was, you know, there's nothing that's been edited. Sure. You know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it would be freaking funny if we all sung, bumped into each other and fucking busted our ass. I mean, that's kind of- <laughs> so talk to me, talk to me a little bit. And I know Tracy's going to jump in on this because I think I'm going to I know at least one of your answers with what I'm about to ask. But give me your Mount Rushmore of rock. So when you're talking your four iconic bands and or players, what would those four be? Um, you know, Kiss is, you know, my number one. I mean, that's the reason why I play music. Um, John Sykes, one of my favorite guitar players ever. Jakey Lee, another one of my favorite guitar players. And I got to, you know, play and hang out with, with them, you know, Red Dragon Cartel and, uh, um, fantastic. Um, and, you know, Metallica, Scorpions, Aerosmith, I mean, ACDC, I mean, I could just, <laughs> right, right. It was just, I could keep going, you know? And, and the, uh, to go back to Jakey e. Lee, uh, such a unique style. That yes. sort of thin pick strumming that he does. Mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. uh, if you were to if you were to just sort of plop somebody down in front of Jakey e. Lee and have him play some of his riffs, it would almost mm-hmm. seem at first blush to be a little sloppy. But you realize mm-hmm. there's a there's an art there. He's he knows mm-hmm. exactly what he's doing, and those rhythms are what made those Ozzy albums so spectacular. Is that he sort of mm-hmm. brought that that unique flair to those mm-hmm. albums. Now, Tracy, mm-hmm. you sh- you're obviously kindred spirits here uh, because yes. of the Kiss fan that you are and the oh, Jakey yeah, Lee absolutely. fan that you are. absolutely. And, and Badlands was uh, Jakey Lee's best oh. album, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah. you know, um, one of the things that was kind of funny, we, you were talking about, like, just sick of the mu- sick of music, right? You're, you know, mm-hmm. you know you're shaved. Uh, shaved head crew cut in a mm-hmm. in a store and just talking about music it's almost like oh I could probably you're just sighing because once you've kind of had enough of it and when i think about like your, the video from somebody new it's like mm-hmm. that bizarre uh hunger that rock musicians have for things that aren't good for them you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and so like it's it, two times in my life i've kind of been done with music and then a band situation brings me back and i don't know mm-hmm. why i'm in it what do you think just continues to draw you into uh music where it's probably you know 55 60 disappointment and frustration and 
45%, you know, success and gratification. You know, I mean, to me, I mean, just, just the, the love of rock and roll is just, um, and, you know, just the love of playing with these guys. It's just, uh, it, it's to us. I mean, it's like, we feel that when we're on stage, we're, you know, we could conquer the world, you know, um, you know, we don't even say it out loud to each other, but it's just, it's just that feel. And it's just, um, um, it's just the, the love that we have for each other and the love for rock and roll. It's just, you know, whatever, wherever we reach, whatever plateau we get to, um, you know, of course, everybody wants to be the biggest band ever, but, um, if we get to, you know, tour the world like we do and, and play our music and, and somehow make a difference in some way or another, um, you know, bring back the fun in rock and roll that died for so many years. Everything was yeah. so depressing. And, you know, I'm tired of being fucking depressed. Um, I just want people to have fun. You know, I, I love it when people call, you know, send us messages and things and like, you know, like, you know, your music has got me through this time. You know, we got, you know, it's got me through chemo. It's got me, you know what? Hey, you know, we actually conceived our baby listening to your stuff. I mean, that's cool, man. Yeah. People are fucking to our songs. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's, you know, that is, you know, those little, little milestones like that is what make, you know, I mean, I know everybody wants to drive around in freaking limousines with fucking pools in the back and big blondes, you know, with big boobs and, you know, like the old music videos, but you know, it's not really about that. It's just, mm, it's the little things, right? It's, it's just all those little things that add up, you know, that make you go, wow. Okay. So, you know. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I I saw a quote from you, and I forget where I saw it while I was doing the research ahead of this interview, where you basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, but you effectively said, if I can put food on the table for my family while playing music for a living, then I feel like mm -hmm. I've accomplished what I need to accomplish. And I think that's a fantastic way to look at it of, because at the end of the day, that's, that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to yeah, support our families and do what's right by our families. And if you get to do it doing something that you absolutely mm -hmm. love, that's, exactly. you've made it. Exactly. And, you know, um, this time around, you know, I've, I've played in a lot of bands and I've been touring since I was like 16 and um, and I had my, you know, my issues and I was an asshole and, you know, I was high and trash and didn't know what the fuck I was. I had people, I mean, probably about four years ago, somebody came in, hey, man, I saw you play when you played in this band when, and they showed me a picture and I'm like, that's not even me. I don't even remember playing that. I mean, hell, there's fucking a couple of years that I don't even remember, right? Um, and this time around, uh, you know, obviously I'm a lot older and more mature, at least I hope so. Um, I get to enjoy that contact that we have with our fans. That to me is very, very important. Um, yeah, you, you tend to take a lot less for granted and yeah. uh, which seems kind of anti rock and roll, but I mean, when you do, but it's about calling your shots. And, you know, when the, the gatekeepers are out of the way and you are, you know, bringing music, you know, in by under your own terms, that there's nothing more rock and roll than that. Yeah. And I, I wanted to talk about that. You, you, you bring up a good point. You're interacting with your fans. Now, I also heard that you, you had done one of these rock and roll cruises, which I always wanted to check out. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds like a great time and it seems like you'd probably be thrown into a lot of fan situation. You'd just be mingling with the fans on the boat. I mean, how does that work? All the time. You know, we're out, you know, there's bands that hide in their, in their rooms and we're out, we're out, you know, we do shows. You're playing where shuffleboard and like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing whatever, you're doing shots, drinking, you know, all of a sudden you're at the buffet and you're sitting down eating, they come and sit next to you or, you know. It's no big deal. Some bands don't like that crap. We don't care. We like to talk to anybody, you know? That's awesome. If you're, That's great. Buy, if you're willing to buy a ticket to come and see us play and you support us, you buy our music and our t-shirts, 
why am I going to be an asshole? I can't understand why bands do this. Um, yeah, when I got to eat all you can eat crab with uh, Blue Oyster Cult one time, I can't stop talking about that. Yeah. yeah, sometimes they have better stuff on their plate than you got on your plate. You might be able to sneak something off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take take a little take a little bite off their plate. And you know, and we have the greatest fans in in the world, man. The KB Mob is just it's just it's rabid, man. They just. They travel from everywhere to everywhere. They will, you know, they will, you know, based their vacations on what we're doing, which yeah. is amazing, you know. So you um, look out and you see people. You see a lot of people that just go and you, you recognize them, like you, you yeah, know, somebody stands by name, and, you know, and you're and you know them by name, right? Yeah. And you know, awesome. and, you know, and then you know, we're sitting there having a drink. We start talking about their cats or their dogs or their kids or their, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, we're we're people. You know, um, we don't need to, you know, we, we play shows where, you know, some promoters will go, you got to do a meet and greet charges. No, we don't charge because we're, we're out mingling with everybody. So anybody can take a picture with us, come over and get an autograph. If that's what they want or sit down with us. It's, it's, that's the way we are. And, um, and, and our fans are just incredible. The, the man, um, one of the stories I have, we were playing in, in, in Europe, in Germany, and um, we did a show, and this guy comes up to the show, and after the show, and he's like, you know, I love you guys and stuff like that. He goes, I just only got to see the last song, and I go, what happened? We did show started. He goes, well, he came, he took three trains from a different country just to come and see us play, and we're like, oh. and you only got one song. Oh. I felt so bad for this guy because we were gone after that. Yeah. He didn't know we were going to see it. So we were like, you know, we're going to go hang out. I took him with us. Fuck it. We hit like four or five bars. He was with us the whole time just because of that. And to this day, every time, you know, he tells everybody that story. And that to me just yep. signifies that if people are willing to put that much time and effort into us, that we can return the favor, you know? That's great. That's just that's just the way we think. You know, one of the things I know Dave was going to ask this, but uh, I wanted to dive into this. You described so much about being connected and about describing yourself as as a live band. And you go through a period in 2020 where uh, live performances are cut down and now the disconnect is is happening. Mm -hmm. How did your band cope with having the single piece of your identity uh, just cut out from underneath you? Well, we're not coping well at all. (laughs) Right. Um, you know, um, it's it's ridiculous the amount of tours and the amount of w- the work that goes into putting tours together, and then they get canceled, and this day gets postponed to that day, and then that day, and then what happens when it gets rescheduled? Maybe they move that festival date to another day. Now it throws off all your other. St- so it, right. it, it's a mess, and we're talking about I don't know, probably about seven tours, and since this whole COVID started in Europe, got canceled um and like three or four here in the u.s so now we're doing just a few shows here in the u.s here and there like uh next week we're in uh, chicago and detroit you know um, and, and keep in mind that's that's seven tours canceled on the back and i'm i i'm saying something that i know you're acutely aware of i'm saying it for the folks mm-hmm. listening on the back of what is an amazing rock album like th- you've got an album that you should be touring against right now that would blow people's socks off out there on the road. And mm-hmm. we just sort of keep hitting these setbacks and setbacks and setbacks. So I, I, I can't imagine the frustration that, that comes with something like that. Again, because I feel like you get a lot of bands. We all know this, especially the sophomore slump. They come out with a, an album that it took them 10 years to write. It's amazing. They hit their second and third albums. Ah, they're okay. You guys have done the reverse of that. I feel like as I've listened to the albums through your history, 
you've gotten better and the songwriting has progressed and gotten stronger and stronger. So you hit an album mm-hmm. like Revenge of Rock and yeah. it's got to it's got to kill you to know you can't get out and play that for people. Yes, it absolutely is. I mean, we're like it's just we're beyond words to each other. I mean, we get so pissed off at everything because of it. I mean, we're at the end of the day, we're a live band. Right. Okay. Um, people tell us, well, you know, go do the uh, streaming thing. We did it the one time. It's not the fucking same, dude. I need yeah. to screw on you. I, you know, yep. I need you. We, we feed off the energy. It's just, it's just not the same. We need to be live. We need to be on the road playing, meeting people. That's, that's how we do it. And, uh, it's just, it's killing us. And when you do have a, a great album, like you said, you know, um, and, you know, we believe it, it's a great album, probably our best album to date. Um, it's gotten great press and stuff like that. And you can't tour it. And then, you know, and it picks up all the steam. And then all of a sudden you just you see it just going, oh, yep. fuck. And then what, what do you do? You can't do anything about it. And you that's, know? you know, to to spin this a bit more positive, when Again, doing the research for this interview, I started looking through, and I, anybody listening, I invite you to do the same thing. Look up Kick and Valentina Revenge of Rock review and start reading through the reviews. And I challenge you to find a negative review about this album. You read through every single link that gets returned, and they're glowing reviews about this. So this is not, we're not blowing smoke here. This is, this is a legitimately well-reviewed, insanely well-reviewed album that has come out. And it's available everywhere. The least you can do is go grab that CD, go give it a listen, and then, as Heber mentioned, go get a shirt. Go do something yeah. like that. Support this type of music because it's already Absolutely. sort of it's dying on the vine as it is just because of the nature of pop music and everything else that is sort of the flavor of the week. Mm-hmm. This is the type of music, if you strongly believe in, in those bands that were mentioned and this type of honest rock and roll, go support mm-hmm. this band in any way you can. Right. And, and, you know, and, and go, to, go to live shows when, when, when the venue's open and you have bands, you know. Um, that's yeah, one support of the, the venues. That's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. One of the big differences that we see playing in the U.S. and Europe, you know, um, you know, when we play in the U.S., you always get, you know, what time you're going on? What time are you going on? Well, we go on at this time, but the doors open at this and the first band goes at that time. Come in early. And like in, in, like in Europe, they show up. So the same crowd that the first band plays for is yeah. the same crowd that yes. the, the you know the headliner plays for and you never know when you're going to see the next metallica yeah i mean really yeah I mean, yeah um so that that's just you just go support all these bands you know um you know whatever whether you think they suck or you know just go show up you know you may like something yep. you know um open your mind not just to what's on the radio because you know I don't know, corporate radio blows. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You know, they have their own little fucking, you know, payola bullshit that they've been doing, and, and it's just, it's uh, the same shit, you know? I, you God, know forbid, we're, God forbid they support, like, some somebody from their hometown if they were there, you know? Well, we had, just just recently, we had a band on, uh, the, the it's kind of a wonky name, but the name of the band is Gene the Werewolf, and they play some really nice yeah. bluesy rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And their singer right. was basically saying they got the advice recently that if you have a guitar in your band, you might as well not even try, because that type of right. music doesn't get play anymore. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, the the things you've mentioned of these, these fans that take the three trains to get there... Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen just for any type of music. That doesn't happen if there's not something there, if there's not teeth to the thing that is being produced. That means that there is something special there. And I think if it got in front of more ears, mm-hmm. is, is it going to be back to the day when Rat and, and Def Leppard and Motley Crue are ruling the world? No, of course not. But there's a spot for that type of music, just like there's a spot for every genre of music. So, and I, I got to ask this, Heber, this, and I, I'm, I'm terrified of the answer. <laughs> do you, do you ever come to Seattle? Um, you know, we haven't, we haven't, I've played Seattle before, uh, in different bands, but with this band has never gone to Seattle. This is, um, this is the bane of my existence living in this city because you can watch a tour. You can actually look at a tour and sometimes the band will dip into <laughs> Idaho and then they drop yeah. right down into Oregon, and then they're down into California. We are this little pocket that that no band that I actually would pay to see ever visits. Really? Mm. No, it's it's bananas. Like, okay, so 
I, I was in a band in, in college and I, and I sent out all these packs and did all the legwork to get right. booked. I, I call a club, like a, a really great club that everybody wants to play. And I ask, um, I'm like, Hey, you know, uh, this is so-and-so from this band, you know, I want to talk about getting booked. Oh yeah. Hey, listen. And he turns up They're listen. They're, they haven't opened. They're listening to my album. Uh, on their sound system. He's like, Hey, you guys are great. I said, Oh, fantastic. When can we play? Uh, we're not going to book you. <laughs> right. I, right. That, I'm sure that has happened to you. I'm sure that has happened to you before. Oh, it's, it's the same all, you know, you know, Oh, my daughter, my son, my wife loves your album. Oh, cool. You're going to, uh, you know, put a tour together. And, no, I got no. interest in it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Hey, but do you think you could play her like 14th birthday party? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You get all kinds of crazy things. But yeah, play yeah, it for free, and then we'll uh, let you put it on your uh, resume. Uh, right. I, I, I am telling you right. <laughs> I am telling you. I'm telling you right now, though. If Kick and Valentina ever plays a 14 year old's birthday party, I don't care where in the world it is. You let me know, and I will crash that birthday party because that is something I absolutely have to see. Don't know if it's ever yeah, going to happen, but if it does, we would have to turn that thing. We would have to really practice and then turn it into like a very G-rated show. <laughs> yeah, Dave, Dave is dying to hang out with some fourteen-year-olds. It sounds like. Let <laughs> you know. Man, I don't judge. I don't judge. Rock and roll. Man, I don't judge. Hey, uh, um, let's uh, let's move away from that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're having technical difficulties. We're we're running low on time, but I do want to let's let's end on. You talk about the goals of the band, and you talk about mm -hmm. the festivals you played, and you talk about sort of what that pinnacle is, and have you reached it or have you not? What is as of today? What is the highlight of Kick and Valentina for you? Um, what, as far as what we've done, a, a festival, uh, reaction, an example, all the, re the positive reviews to the latest album, whatever it might be. What is that thing right now that has really made you feel there's, good? There, there's, I mean, there's so many, um, but you know, I think one of the, one of the best stories that I always love. And every time I talk about it, I get goosebumps and, I think it's just one of the coolest things is we, we did a show and um, the two opening acts for us were like death metal bands. Mm. And uh, we we're watching the crowd, you know, moshing and surfing and we're going, Oh my God, they're going to fucking kill us. <laughs> That's what our thought was. They're going to fucking kill us because we're going to be there jumping around and shaking our ass and, you know, flipping the hair and yep. the whole nine yards. Oh, they're going to fucking murder us. And we're like, who, what the fuck? We're going to have to have a talk with their spoken agent. And uh, we get up on stage playing two songs. They're going crazy. All of a sudden, they're singing our songs so loud that we had to stop playing because we couldn't hear ourselves. <laughs> that is awesome. So yeah, that's that good. Crowd that was fucking moshing and everything. And it's just like, that is, to me, that's like a great story. But obviously, you know, you know, playing big festivals is always incredible, right? The more people that we're in front of, I think the the better we sound. Do you, you know? do you get, I, you said you've, you've played since you were 16. Mm -hmm. Do you get, do you still get nervous? Do I get nervous? Now Jack Daniels takes care of that. Right. <laughs> oh. yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. Jack's um, been a friend to a lot of people. Yeah. It's on the label, I think actually. Yeah. yeah. From the, well, that's when you know, chaos in Copenhagen came out because, you know, um, we were in Denmark and uh, the one venue for some reason that we were supposed to play closed, they didn't, their liquor license, whatever. So they postponed that show and we were like stuck in Denmark. Well, our record labels in Denmark and 
oh, you guys just come and hang out. Our, he owns a bar, the owner. So we sat at his bar and about two days in, he's like, you're drinking all my fucking booze. I got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you guys, you guys want to record something? And we were like, well, fuck it. Yeah, we'll record it. We're waiting here to go to our, the next city. Yeah. So we recorded cast in Copenhagen in like 14 hours at Medley Studios in, uh, in Denmark. That's, that's, where, that's where sweat came from and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, memories, I mean, there's so many memories and there's so many more to make that it's, um, you know, I. So I'll, I'll end on this. Uh, one final question for you of, mm -hmm. of the people. Let me spin it a little differently of all the people that you've met along the way, people you've opened for people who have opened for you shows you played all that. Who was the one person that, that you had always hoped to meet that you got a chance to meet? Uh, well, Jake, you know, sure. we got to, we, we got to, uh, uh, do a few shows with Red Dragon Cartel and, and, you know, um, spend some time with him talking guitars. And it's just, you know, my wife's got a picture of me and Jake. Um, we're like giddy the way we're smiling. We're like looking at each other. Like we're like, like this men crush type of thing going on. <laughs> um, that was great. Um, and you know, another great memory was I spent my, one of my birthdays in Italy. We were playing in Italy. And, um, you know, just drinking wine with Y&T on the stoops of, you know, Lake Como, just, yeah. you know, listen to stories. That's, that's and, the life yeah. right there. That and, is. You know, they showed, showed up to my birthday and, um, you know, we, we did a little festival in Italy and they came to see us play and, and, uh, we, we were, you know, just sitting till like three, four o'clock in the morning, drinking wine and. Italy looking at the lake, just telling stories. And he goes, you know, he goes like this to us. He goes, if you guys want to be big, you have to open up for us. And we did. <laughs> and he goes, just look at our history. He goes, look, Van Halen, open up for us. Look at him. Motley Crue, open up for us. Look at him. You know, he kept, yeah. <laughs> kept going. <laughs> and Menachetti is one of those guys that to this day can still hit the notes like nobody's business. That that guy is a force on stage to this day. Seeing his Absolutely. live performances is incredible. Like oh, Dave, Dave's Dave's fantastic. I mean, he's so underrated as a guitar player. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, another great highlight was, you know, we were playing the Monsters of Rockers together and, you know, he made us come up on stage to sing a song with them. And I mean, it's just you know, you, you start developing these friendships with a lot of these people that I used to look up to and, um, which is great, you know, you know, and yeah, you, text, well, you sit four numbers and you get messages, you know, from different, you know, what we consider rock stars and, you know, and we had their posters on the wall and yep. just, you know, saying, Hey, have a happy birthday or happy Thanksgiving or, you know, how, how's the family, you know, things like that. And when you see each other, you know, it's like, you know, so that's cool, you know. Um, and again, uh, you know, uh, we're going to wrap things up here. But again, speaks volumes to the quality of music that you guys are cranking out. So for those of you listening at home, we've been talking to Heber Pamplon from Kickin' Valentina. Their latest album, Revenge of Rock, The Revenge of Rock, is out now. Go find it. Go listen to it. Go check out their videos on YouTube. I think you're going to be as blown away as I am as a fan of rock. If you like rock and roll music, you're going to dig what these guys are doing. So I want to say once again, thank you, Heber, for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll have you back on just as soon as you've got a new album, a new single, whatever it might be. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Heber Pamplon. Once again, we want to thank Mr. Heber Papillon for, for being on the Dave and Steve show yeah. with Tracy. I hope you enjoyed that. We'll be right back after this message. Oh, hey, Dave. Hey, what are you listening to? Oh, hey, Tracy. I didn't hear you walk up there. 
I'm listening to this hot new podcast. It's called The Damn Truth. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. I'd love to. Here, let me pop out one of these earbuds. You snuggle in nice and close to me. We'll put that in your ear. See, this is The Damn Truth Podcast. Oh, wow. This is great. It's very funny. It, it really is. It's surprisingly funny. Wow, this Wendy sounds really hot. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's making her up. I don't think she exists. But the, yeah. the podcast is great, isn't it? Y yeah, nobody fawns over a woman quite like that, but this is quite good. And I'm pretty sure you can find it on all major podcast outlets. You just have to search for The Damn, D-A-M-M. -M. This isn't, it's not a swear word. The Damn Truth. And you'll find it anywhere. And you can even, you can even tell Alexa to play it for you. Wow, this is uh, quite fascinating. Uh, I I have never heard a podcast quite so good. Hey, you're you're really close to me right now. Wow, I I, I didn't uh, I didn't know these feelings would come up like this. Okay, why are you leaning towards me? I just thought we were having a moment. Sorry. The Damn Truth Podcast. Find it now wherever hot podcasts are sold. The, the Damn, Damn Truth, Truth Podcast. <laughs> the Oregon coast stretches over 350 miles from the mouth of the mighty Columbia River to the northern border of California. Now, somehow it's known in the Pacific Northwest as a premier vacation destination because of its great location, weather, and atmosphere. But actually, it has none of those things. People love it because there's no depth to the amount of hatred they have for themselves. Just once, I'd like to meet the marketing team that runs promotion campaigns that convince people to go to the Oregon coast. Those smug jackasses are probably raking in wheelbarrows of cash and spending time on world-class beaches like the Texas Gulf Coast or North Carolina's Outer Banks while the idiots they suckered are bundled up in jackets battling the light rain and high winds praying for a tsunami to come and put them out of their misery. This has been Tracy's... I'd still go to the Oregon coast if someone invited me. Minute. I am so glad. So first of all, I feel bad. We're going to start with this. I feel bad about this whole Oregon coast thing, Tracy, because you and I have a mutual hatred of the Oregon coast, as we heard last week on the show. Yeah, yes. However, Steve's family, and I know Steve personally, has a long history with the Oregon coast, spent many a summer there, rented many a beach home there, had a great time, and frankly, I'm sure Steve has tons of great memories. I've got memories, great memories of spending summers at the Oregon coast with Steve. But I'll say this. The only reason I had such a good time was twofold. One, Steve was there, and he's great to hang out with. And two, I didn't know any better. I hadn't been to real beaches. Yeah. I hadn't been to real coasts. I hadn't been to real vacation spots. And now that I've been, that place is pure torture. Steve, go well, ahead. I think this gets back to really what Heber uh, said about uh, the uh, somebody new. It's just that, you know, you just have this, this codependent relationship with things that aren't good for you, like the Oregon coast, <laughs> right. and you keep going back, and it's bad for you. Stop. Steve, now Stop. you make the case for the Oregon coast. Uh, it's a great place to lay low. Um, yeah, because you can't from, go outside. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a, you. You can like, there's you don't you don't go there to lay on the beach. That's that's for sure. There, there's a there's a there's a beauty to it that um, that is best ex, best explored from the windows of your of your home. Like you still get the beach, the ocean views. It's you still get the the scent of the ocean air. Um, that's really nice. The coast itself is really pretty, but, uh, yeah, you're not wrong about the weather. Like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You're going to be in a jacket Yeah. and yeah, I've only swam in the ocean, maybe half a dozen times there. And, it, and, and I did it because I was wearing all the gear and I, I just didn't want to waste yeah, it. I got some kind of rash in my armpits after being in the ocean there. And, uh, <laughs> Maybe this is something I should have just kept to myself. No, yeah. but did did we talk about this? Did we talk about this when I got back and the issue that I had? Did we talk about my my groin crotchal region issue? 
We sure no, didn't, not, but now we are. Regard to well, it, yeah. listen, it was very, it, it was very straightforward, and I sort of knew what it was almost immediately. I understood what it was, which is that I at at some point on the trip to Hawaii, I got a, a sand granule in my shorts in my swimsuit somehow, and I only knew this because I went to use the bathroom. I stepped up to the urinal at the airport, and I had what could only be described as little bloody bumps. All over, I don't know, Randy. We'll just give him a name for now. Not that I've ever used that name before. but uh, So, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I had little red bumps all over poor little Randy. Uh, and they, they were they, they were like kind of bloody. And, and when you see that, especially when you've just gone on a vacation somewhere, you freak mm. out because you can't quite, your brain cannot process what the hell it's looking at. Because you've looked, as a guy, you've looked down there thousands hundreds of thousands of times to to use the bathroom and something's different and it's terrifyingly different so i immediately <clears throat> it's you you're trying to process it i'm in an airport with my son my daughter my wife my son and i had gone off on our own to get a bite your to wife eat. and daughter went into the bathroom with no, you at my, the airport? my son and i had gone off to get a bite to eat we had stopped by the bathroom on the way back and so now, you know, now I'm, of course, freaking out. And I go back and I've got to pull my wife off to the side. I'm like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute over here? <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> no, because we're in the terminal. No, <laughs> but but I said, you know, I got this thing going on and I'm still I'm still a little freaked out by it. And she's like, ah, you just got some sand in there. It'll be fine. And she was right. But man, that sand stuff. The only the, the only thing that bothers me more about sand is that it will scrape the ever-living shit out of an iPhone screen. If you're ever somewhere with sand, be really careful about keeping... Or any smartphone. Be, be careful about keeping it in your pocket. You get one little sand granule in there with that on your screen. I had that happen once before. And it... I mean, it looked like... It looked like I had taken a marker and tried to scribble on the screen of my of my iPhone, but it was all from that sand piece that was stuck in the pocket with me. So don't put your penis in the same pocket as your phone. That's my advice. Oh yeah, that's. Uh, I think actually that's uh, that's on Apple's website. Yeah, they say that right there on the, <laughs> on the site. Yeah, it's, it's part of, it'll negate your Apple Care. Up in uh, British Columbia, my uh, middle son, when he was the younger son, if you're doing the math there, yep. uh, he. Uh, decided that he was collecting rocks up in uh, British Columbia and his uh, pockets had gotten too full for all the rocks that were so fascinating that he wanted to collect. So all the additional rocks, he decided to, as he was walking along with me, slip into my pocket where, uh, where my phone was at the time. So my phone is like basically a rock polisher as I'm walking <laughs> along. And, uh, but the rocks were beautiful by the time it was done. So it, the it, rocks are beautiful. The Oregon coast is beautiful. Never go there. If you've got, if you've never been and you've got the opportunity to go anywhere else, anywhere else, go anywhere else other than the Oregon coast. And, uh, I should be employed by the Oregon coast, uh, visitors bureau by this time next week. No way. Absolutely. All right. Let's find out what Tracy has in the headlines. If I can hit the button. And now, straight from the Dave and Steve Show news desk in beautiful Anytown, USA Plaza, it's Tracy Green with this week's headlines. Our first story, a truck hauling beehives crashed and overturned along a northern Michigan roadway, unleashing a swarm of, Beli of uh, an, uh, uh, Belize bees from, from Belize, apparently. It wasn't mean. Um, Belize bees was, I think yes. they they opened for YMT <laughs> one time, didn't they? Actually, they, they did. They're, uh, they are now disbanded. That's such of, an uh, obscure, because Steve is talking about this band that never charted, never did anything called sleaze bees. That was the joke that he made. And unless you're me... And possibly Tracy, you would never get that joke. So. But it made you giggle. But I, I saw. Yeah, I appreciate you giggled it. hard. I appreciate yeah. it. So made him made him forget about the sand in his shorts. Anyway, a truck overturned about two p.m. Wednesday and it dumped a load of bee boxes along the county road, prompting police to urge residents to keep windows and doors closed. There's a very large swarm, said the sheriff Charles Vondra. Uh, he said that there were upwards of fifty million bees that were in the trucks loaded. Uh, with bee boxes when it crashed near Boyne City, a community about 260 miles northwest of Detroit. That's a bee, that's a bee box. 
Why, why, why do you need to haul that many bees? Where are you going with that many bees? What's going on? And listen, I am, I'm, Steve, this is sort of like your, how you take the harsh stance of being anti-child abuse and anti-cancer. I am pro-bee. I'm strongly pro-bee. Uh, you have been. Yeah. All the bee, all the and, bee benefits you've yeah. done. You're anti-wasp, but I understand Tracy's a big wasp fan. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So how you're just rolling out back to back to back 80s hairband. I, I miss Chris Holmes uh, uh, because he's a bad, bad man. So um, explain but, to me why, what does it say where the bees were going or why they needed to be hauling 50 million bees? These were bee runners that were um, going uh, to Canada to smuggle them into Canada uh, because Canada has a shortage of bees because uh, their government currently, their provincial government up there in Ontario is anti-bee. This is already my least favorite Smokey and the Bandit ever. <laughs> Local firefighters sprayed water on the boxes to keep the insects cool in the heat of the day until beekeepers could arrive and begin retrieving the hive-filled boxes and loading them onto trucks that hauled them away. Vonder said it estimated that several hundred thousand bees never made it back to the boxes, but bee boxes were placed behind at the site of the crash, hoping that they would return. Where do you guys stand on honey? How do you feel about honey? <laughs> I, have a, I have some, I have some pretty, uh, some pretty interesting ideas about honey. So, uh, do you like honey? Do you want to know why Tracy suddenly jumped out of his pants? And my wife run comes in here, and she's like really quiet because she doesn't want to disturb. But I'm focused. <laughs> I'm I'm doing headlines, and you guys not know I'm. It's a laser focus for me, and so she brought me a beverage uh, because nice. she loves me. And uh, but she scared the hell out of me. I saw that. You I, just about came clean out of your shirt there. So I jumped. Back like to a, my very pressing and important oh, question. Yes, honey. So, Pro honey, particularly local honey. I like now I have some very strong opinions about local honey. I like local honey. I think it's great. I do think that there are some health benefits, but the people that sell you honey at these markets, yep. they, they will tell you that it cures everything. I think I might've even talked about this on the show yeah. that, it, that honey will you just put some honey on it and it'll, and it'll clear it right up. Yeah, that, I that like honey. Have, uh, that would have, but uh, I don't put fixed it on Randy like, up right away. <laughs> yeah, yes. Have you have you tried some local honey on Randy? <laughs> the thing that it bothers me is now because, like you said, it's become a, um, it's become kind of just a marketing gimmick now. Local honey. So I I was at a um a local uh, grocery store where there was a bottle of something called local honey, and I'm sure it's sold in several cities. Yeah. So, I mean, sure, honey is local to somewhere, but I looked and it was uh, manufactured in New Jersey, yet um, people are buying it because it's called local honey. That's ridiculous. I'm not a big honey guy. I So if I get a cold or something like that, I'll, I'll mix up some hot water and put some honey in it just to help with my throat and things. But when it comes to my wife loves honeycomb. She loves taking goopy waxy honeycomb and just eating it like i don't know like steve would eat a stick of butter just like straight through it <laughs> i don't know but no she she absolutely loves honey and it's just never it is literally one of those what i classify as a take it or leave it kind of thing if you put some honey in front of me it's probably going to sit there maybe i get a spoonful of it otherwise it's it's just I, I'm I don't need to touch it. I'm not I'm not a big honey guy. I don't know why. But I love a good honey nut Cheerio. I'll say that right now. Uh but I am I'm right there with Steve. I'm anti cancer. Go ahead, Tracy. Yeah, I'm I don't don't like Cheerios at all. Anyway. Uh anyway, the bees got back and whatever. Good. Hey, our right. second story, Pope Francis. You guys know Pope Francis. Do yeah, I? great guy. He, he was here. He was show. here last Thursday. Yep. So he received dozens of soccer jerseys and game balls during his eight year pontificate, but he got a new football themed toy on Wednesday, his very own foosball table. Francis played around on the table that was presented to him at the end of the general audience uh, by representatives of the Tuscany based table football association in Argentina. Tell me they had, tell me the players on the table had the little Pope hats. That's what I want. Uh, I did. Uh, I did reach out to the Vatican, uh, and they said that they they would not be taking my call at this time. 
Mm. Tracy, this may be the... We may have found somebody who can give you and I a game. As anybody who's listened to this show for any length of time knows, uh, when Tracy and I worked together at a company and got laid off, the company basically said you get six to eight weeks to look for a job on site. Just don't burn the place down. And we played foosball for six to eight weeks straight, uh, roughly four to six hours a day. So I feel like maybe Pope Francis is the guy to give us a run for our money. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. Uh, we the, the amount of skill that we had developed over that many hours yeah. of constant playing uh, was significant. And uh, it's uh, I dare say we were professional, given that that's what we did for a living. And it's it's like anything else. Foosball is like anything else where there are the casual players and there are the not casual players. And the I found this out because I stepped up to my first tournament at this company and I made the grave error of spinning one of the, I don't know, poles, handles. I don't know what you want to call it, but I literally did the thing you do. And every time you step up to a foosball table, you give it a hard spin and oh, no. No, no, no. That is the way amateurs play. You do Injected. not do that. Yeah. Injected. Yeah. Yep. You have to you have to give it the the little wrist snap. You just Yeah, you just... it's a gentleman's game. You can't just spin. Yeah. You and can't it... just handle it like you handle Randy. Just give it a just to give it <laughs> I was mortified. I did not know that I had broken a cardinal sin, a foosball by doing the spin and from that point on I had to and listen if you've never if you've never done it the other way where you grab a hold of the handle and just give it the little wrist flick to snap the ball it takes a little bit of work to get to a point where you can put any kind of speed on that ball whatsoever cuz we're all used to just giving it the hard spin and so it I I was I was off my game for a good 3 hours wow that that's a great story the Argentine-born Pope is a well-known lover of soccer, and his beloved San Lorenzo Soccer Club in Buenos Aires has long promoted sport as a way to uh, promote solidarity and inclusion, especially for young people. Steve, where do you stand on foosball? Uh, not spinning it. That's uh, if I'm, I'm not going to walk up and just spin it. I have to find out if the other players are going to spin it or right. not. If they do. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean, I, I want to. I, I I I know that I have to be careful, but I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not. You don't want me on your team. Yeah, that that's that's where I stand on foosball. You don't want me on your on your team. Okay. I'm not. I'm not good at it. Uh, Here uh, we go. Uh, you and me, Dave, against Pope Francis and Steve. Perfect. Yeah, that honest, sounds like a that sounds like a really good uh, you know evening out. Of on, honest question, Steve. You're a better evaluator of yourself than anybody. What is the one sport? where you would say, oh, you want me on your team? If you Hor say pickleball, I'm going to smack you in the face. On a, on a good day, I'd say horseshoes. I, 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 have, uh, I, I, have some, I, I have some good, some good horseshoeing. Poor Steve. Um, some, there's a couple days I, I, I'm not very good, but horseshoeing, I can, I can do that. Steve, uh, <clears throat> Steve was at my house when I had a friend over. Uh, we started playing some cornhole. Uh, we only had three. It was only myself, Steve, and this guy. So Steve was the floater. He would throw bags on that guy's side for me, for my team. And then he would come down to my end when it, when they reversed, and he would throw them back in the opposite direction playing for the other guy. And they got to the point where they were up on me 20 to nothing. And then Steve and I, <laughs> as he flipped teams, slowly whittled him down and came back and won that game and to this day, that was months ago. And to this day, that guy still brings that up. It's still so this is a highly competitive person. He played football for the Oregon Ducks. He's one of those guys who is wired to be hyper competitive. And I I don't think I can ever have Steve back in the same room with him ever oh, again. Oh, really? Because wow. he is because I, 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 I like that guy. He was he was a nice guy. He's yeah, convinced I, 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 I am sorry I screwed him out of that. He's, he's you know, convinced himself that you threw thing. the game. Oh, really? Yeah. No, yeah. no, I did. I didn't. That's just that's just the terribleness of me. Steve's a lot of things that people don't like, but uh, dishonorable is not one of them. That's I, that. That's not. I don't. That's not a thing. Now, I <laughs> with a with a small child, I will um, totally. I will totally stack the deck on a game of Candyland. Oh, looks like you got it. You got Prince Princess Frostine. Here we go, all the way to the end. Good job. 
I may that... I may have influenced his hatred of you. I'm I'm just gonna say that. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, wow. I definitely didn't do that. Um, <clears throat> I am I am sorry to you and um, your 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 need to uh, prove yourself in a game of a game called cornhole. But you know, I didn't do it. This is I I take back the thing about having him team up with the Pope. Can you imagine getting the Pope so pissed at him and yeah. then us? You put this guy on my team and yeah. then. He's the vicar of Christ, the bishop of Rome, and he's yep. off. And now he's our enemy, and he won't come on the podcast anymore. Yep. Yep. Just, mm. Oh, gosh. That's the I way mean, that goes. It'd be fun to play with the Pope, though. Yeah. No. Our third story an animal handler attacked by an alligator, as crying children looked on, has said that he loves the reptile, that it should not face any consequences. Lindsay Bull was left wrestling with the creature after it clamped its jaws down on her hand in front of guests during a chilled children's birthday party at the scales and tails in Salt Lake city, Utah. Yeah. That the, I, you know, alligator's going to bite. That's <laughs> in, in your, in your world travels, Steve, especially you, I know you've been down South a fair amount. Uh, south in the United States, I'm I'm talking. Have either of you guys ever been to like one of those allig roadside alligator shows? You ever done? Tracy, oh, you're yeah. nodding. Absolutely. All right. No, I haven't, but I I, I wouldn't mind going. I just yeah. I, go ahead, Tracy. What was the yeah, experience? They, they they are everything. They are amazing because they give you everything that you want to see. Uh, and they uh, it's just basically it's like watching wasp. In just about, you know, just about an hour, uh, they give you all the uh, flames, the fire, um, the I want to be somebody and yeah. then and the chomping large reptiles and the flicking tail and all the danger and and uh, and they give it to you in an hour. Do the, do the alligators have uh, sparking cod pieces that they wear that they. Uh, not the ones I went to, oh. but I understand. Uh, I understand. In, uh, Northern Pay a little Florida extra. Yeah. You get to go to that back room. So she eventually rescued uh, from the alligator known as Darth Gator oh. after visiting uh, Donnie Wiseman left into the water and clambered on top of the animal. Video of the incident was uh, viewed by millions online, but Ms. Bull and the Reptile Center's owner say it should not uh, come to harm as a result of the, the attack because uh, the alligator was just doing what alligators do. So I saw the video of this and... <clears throat> If, if I think it probably everybody knows this by now, but an alligator loves to clamp onto things and then do the what they call the death roll, where it basically gets in the water and just continues to roll on them, disorient them, suffocate them, all the different drown them. And this alligator was attempting to do that to this woman. And she you can clearly see it in the video. She rolls with the alligator. So each time the alligator tries to roll her, she rolls with it and keeps the momentum going so that she's right back upright again. And the alligator does it again, and she just kind of keeps doing that. And they said that's one of the reasons why she survived. Yeah, I would bet that wasn't her first time. Right? I know. rolled by the alligator. The fact that you are that clear-headed in that moment to know that that's what you need to do, I, I would agree with Tracy. It probably wasn't her first time, and it may not be her last. So it, it, it turns out alligators are dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Great honey, though. Speaking of danger, our fourth story, the manager of a McDonald's franchise in Canada has revealed the story behind Grimace, the purple pal of longtime oh. mascot Ronald McDonald. And it's left a lot of people very confused. Brian hmm. Bates has worked for the chain for about 10 years, casually dropped into an interview with CBC News over the weekend. Quote, he has an erroneous, yeah, he is an erroneous, oh, excuse me, not erroneous, God. He is an enormous, <laughs> stop the show. <laughs> he is an erroneous, enormous it, taste it, bud. It, erroneous <laughs> taste bud. Grimace is an erroneous <laughs> taste bud. And I love him. It's like those uh, taste buds that like swell up and become canker sores. Have you guys ever had one of those? So, that, that's so, that, so that's wait. an egregious one. I know we <laughs> stepped on the, the punchline a little bit. So Grimace is a taste bud? Did you well, know this, I Steve? I don't know. I mean, if you can believe Canadians about anything, but he's an enormous taste bud. But a taste bud nonetheless, Bates told the network in an unofficial explanation, adding that the character was meant to show that the food 
tastes great. McDonald's has been unusually tight-lipped about the purple creature and its origins over the years. The closest it has come to providing an explanation was a few variations of a tweet sent out by the corporation, which it sent out from time to time in response to inquisitive customers who asked, what is Grimace? The corporation responded, great question. Grimace lore says that he is the embodiment of a milkshake, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, that's the embodiment of a milkshake. I've tried that, practiced that several times. I was not able to. Yeah, I feel like this is when you really get down to it. I feel like this is one of those things where they had a bunch of fabric left over from making the other <laughs> costumes. And they stitched it all together and they're like, well, let's put some eyes on it and see how it looks. And Grimace was born, but nobody wants to admit that. And so now it's just this thing that they perpetuate all the different myths of where he came from and what he is. And in, in reality, he's he's just a taste bud. No, he's just a pile of uh, cloth. Yeah, he's a gigantic uh, canker sore. Anyway, the hashtag ask an archivist, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> ask an anarchist or archivist, depending on how you. Uh, how many of those beverages did your wife bring you? Six or seven. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. The, the <laughs> okay. Steve's making me laugh. Um, that's the news, fellas. <laughs> Walter Cronkite-esque, as always, Tracy. <laughs> you elevate this show to a new level week after week. I know, and I pre- I know I don't get tired of the praise, so keep it coming. Speaking of praise, we want to shout a little more praise in the direction of our guest tonight, Mr. Heber Pampelon uh, from Kickin' Valentina. Go find their album, The Revenge of Rock. It's out everywhere right now. Go search for his videos on YouTube. Uh, pretty phenomenal band overall, and I do hope at some point. I'm wondering... You know, we say this, and eventually we're going to pull the trigger on this. I'm wondering the road trip the three of you, the three of you, come on. The three, the three of us. The three of us would have Can to I take. Can I come too? Am I? <laughs> well, I'll go with you well, three Well, it's, it's Steve, it's me, it's the Pope, and possibly you, Tracy, if Rand, we have room. It's Randy. To, yeah, once, <laughs> once the luggage is in there. No, but I was going to say, I wonder how long of a road trip we would have to take to get to somewhere where he is playing. I would assume it's probably going to be California. Uh, Redding. Yeah, which is a decent jaunt, so we'll, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to Reading. That's a day's drive. Kickin' Valentina is the name of the band. One more big thank you to Heber Pampelon. Before we get, you know what we, you know what we didn't do? We didn't do what you do last week. Did either of you do anything good last week? Just yes or no? No. no. My son got a new pickup truck from his grandparents, and I wanted to say thank you to them, and I'm excited for him, and yeah. That's, is that the, is that's that the one your dad turned in on the Lemon Law? No, okay. no, no. Right. Davey, he's only had that truck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then we're going to get the hell out of here. For Steve, for Tracy, for me, Dave, we'll talk to you next time right here on the Dave and Steve Show. <laughs>